every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Willkommen, hello, welcome, Gegen Pressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. My name is Hal Stewart, and you may have heard me covering one or two of these before in for Bryce for this weekend. And the creator of the Football Grad Network, contributor for so many websites, articles, videos, we see him popping up all over the time. My only guest today, uh, Manu Vet. How are we doing, Manu? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm I'm feeling really lonely on this podcast because usually we have at least Chris Williams on here as well. But yeah, unfortunately, he can't make it. I, I wish him and his dogs all the best. Um, unfortunately, they're both sick. So I hope I hope they're going to be okay. Yeah, I absolutely echo that sentiment 100%. But you and I, we are going to struggle on. And I think that the most struggle will be mostly from my side because you're all across the Bundesliga. For those that regularly listen, they will know you're the expert, the man we go to anyway. Chris, really, just the eye candy. We will manage fine. Let's begin with Bayern Munich against Paderborn. And wow, what a game this was. Just break it down for us before we go into the minutiae, please, Manu. <laughs> yeah, this was this was a fantastic game. It was a, a back and forward, and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of neutrals were were sort of hoping that um, Paderborn could get some points off Bayern. Right? Um, they are the underdogs of all underdogs in in the Bundesliga. I mean, if you're not aware of their story, shame on you because um, about three years ago they faced relegation to the fourth division and were only saved because my club 1860 didn't get a license for the third division and then they went through the second Bundesliga and they went through the first Bundesliga straight back to back years so it's it's a remarkable story um, as a club and you know I think nobody in in the Bundesliga expected them to um, to stay in the league this year. So for them to play the sort of football that they are doing week in and week out and um, getting very close to points pretty much in every game that they are in is quite remarkable. And I think in this game, um, you know, until the 88th minute, they were very much in it. And I think that's that's quite impressive. Um, of course, they benefited from a Manuel Neuer mistake. Um, Manuel Neuer said after the game that, you know, a hundred times out of the hundred times he comes out of the goal and, um, tries to play with his feet. 99 times it works. Unfortunately, every once in a while it doesn't. He's a very big risk taker. It's part of his game. It gifted Paderborn a goal. Um, thankfully for Bayern though, they have a name, guy named Robert Lewandowski Hall and, 
that striker, um, the the way and the form that he's in right now, I think he pretty much carries the team because he first um, got them the go ahead, the the two one, then Paderborn managed to equalize. It was two two, right? And then Robert Lewandowski in eighty eighth minute winner for Paderborn um, to break Paderborn's hearts. And um, unfortunate for Paderborn, great for Bayern, and even better for Robert Lewandowski, who's just been absolutely insane this season. When you say he's been absolutely insane this season, that's really an, an understatement, Manu, because, I mean, pow, that's the only word I can think of to describe just how he's been. 23 goals in 25 games, only the second player to do so in Bundesliga history after Gerd Müller. The Bayern striker is now the Bundesliga's outright fourth highest goal of all time, and it's not as if retirement is happening at the end of this season more goals will still come and just incredible when you put it that he is in the form form of his life is he carrying the team at the moment yeah he is and actually Hall it's 25 goals in 23 games <laughs> to make the statistic so even the, more the other way around it's actually the other way i know i mean it's not really a mistake on your part this is an easy one to get wrong because it's just so unrealistic right Mm. Yeah, but absolutely. it's absolutely amazing. It's um, it's it's something else. And when you when you look at the the way he plays, and he's thirty one years old. I mean, we we've lived through an era. I mean, both of us probably lived through an era of where players um were really only matured in their thirties, and then lived through an era where all of a sudden players matured much much earlier and um there was a more more youth youth movement to to football and that's probably due to the game itself um doing a bit of a transition right and getting a lot faster so that a lot of the older player generation didn't quite perform as well um when during that transition years i think now you're seeing a lot of players getting older and reaching peak again like it used to be i mean Lionel messi and cristiano ronaldo are still in peak form and Robert Lewandowski is, is 31 going on 32 and, um, I think he's probably at the best form of his life at the moment. And a lot of it is due to the fact that he has an incredible fitness regime. His wife is a personal trainer, right? The, the way he looks after his body, um, is second to none. I mean, it's, it's Ronaldo-esque in many ways. And I think you see it on, on the field. And Bayern are very, very fortunate to have him because I think that in, many ways this was a very bad game by them um they did not perform to the usual standards that they have shown under her since hansi flick has taken over and um i think when you look at the way they have played many times in the in the hinrunde the first half of the season when they were still coached by niko kovac they were winning games basically because of Robert Lewandowski. And um, I think that really makes a huge difference for the side at the moment, that even if they have a bad game, they can still rely on him to carry carry the day. And he does. I mean, he he's just incredibly reliable. Um, you just know that he's going to get one or two goals every game at the moment. And that is, um, if you have a player like that in your squad, that is, that is half, you know, in German we say that's the halbe Miete, that's half the rent. Um, and Robert Lewandowski definitely is is that sort of player for them. Yeah, so if that's half the story, Robert Lewandowski, you know you can rely on him. You mentioned that Bayern did have that poor start to the yeah. game. Flick rotated the side. What can we, if anything, learn from Flick's rotation? 
Yeah, I think, and I mean, we're going to talk Leipzig a little bit later on the show, right? But, um, the, the one thing that Bayern have, without a doubt, they have, they have the best players. You know, their top 11, their starting 11 is the best in the league. They, um, they just have the best superstars. They have the Robert Lewandowski. They have the best goalkeeper. They have the best, you know, the best left back in our Davies, the best wingers, all of that, you know. But I think what, when, and I've noticed this, um, throughout the season, and I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast, the moment they, um, they rotate the side, the moment they bring in players from the bench, um, there seems to be a real drop in level for the side. Um, the squad depth isn't huge. So they started the game with Otrio Sola, who came in on loan. They started with a 3-4-3 formation, which is something that they're not used to. Flick, of course, trying to rest some players. Um, there was a couple of players missing the game because of suspensions. And um, you notice it right away with this team. And I think that is um, that is something that, you know, now with the Champions League coming in, they, of course, have a midweek game against Chelsea, right? Um, I think that the Champions League is is the competition that defines the club more than anything else. The competition that they um want to win more than anything else. You know, they they could go even forgo a Bundesliga title if they can win the Champions League. And that's also where Hansi Flick's future is decided, whether he will stay the head coach or not, will be decided in the Champions League and not in the Bundesliga. So you can sense that they, the rotation makes sense in that regard. But it also highlights that this Bayern side isn't very deep. And I think that is a real weakness um, going forward for them. It's going to be really interesting now that the match days, you know, there's less time between match days now um, going forward because Champions League, they're still in the Pokal. There's, there's going to be a lot of games and um, that's going to be really fascinating to watch down the stretch. I want to talk about uh, Bayern against Chelsea midweek in a moment. But before we move on from this game, I think we should just talk a little bit more about Paderborn. You know that... I was uh, living in Germany where Paderborn were the closest local team uh, just a couple of years ago. I was experiencing there a tremendous rise. And it, it is such a shame that the story of their season really has been looking good at times and then dropping points. And they are in real danger. Is it a serious question of quality of their squad? Yeah, you know what? I... It is such a remarkable story, right? To go from Bundesliga all the way down to third division, being almost relegated to the fourth division, being rescued on a technicality, and then making the run straight up to the Bundesliga. It's When they went up, I called it an accidental promotion. I don't think they expected to be promoted to the Bundesliga themselves. And um, it is a big financial windfall for them. Uh, in that regard, that's very positive. But at the same time, this squad was essentially built for third division football hall. And I mean, that, that's just the reality, right? Um, because to go from third division to the Bundesliga in the span of two seasons, is a big jump. Um, and they, they basically wrote a, a tremendous form. Um, at the same time, they're very good. They have a very good squad planning. They have very good uh, people in the, in the sporting, in terms of sporting directors, head coaches that, that do a fantastic job putting together a squad. Um, out of with very little money because they don't have a lot of money and um i think for them the bundesliga season is almost like an adventure you know so sort of like okay well we're in this league now we didn't plan to be in this league we might as well make the most out of this league but realistically we're not going to stay in it so i think if they go down 
they can take that money and the experience that they gained and really get a foothold in Bundesliga 2, which is, you know, whereas the city is the size of the city that they are, size of the club is where they should be perfectly at home. Um, so in some ways, I think it's okay um, the way they're doing. I think what is a little bit, uh, must be a little bit upsetting for them is that when you look, okay, they they they, they are second to last, I believe, um, together with Werder Bremen sharing the last spot. When you look at that, you're like, okay, well, they're supposed to be there. But then you look at a lot of their results. It's a lot of late goals conceded. It's a lot of games that they lost by just one goal. Um, Bayern Munich, they, they almost beat, they almost took a point of Bayern Munich in the return match as well, which shows you that they're not that far away in terms of quality, right? It's just that little tiny detail missing. And sometimes that is just, experience it's just that little bit of extra knowledge that you have from playing first division football a little bit longer and they're just lacking that because it's it's essentially a second and third division squad put together um over the last two years and that's really hard to compensate it's interesting when you look at paderborn they've won four they've drawn four they've Mm. lost 15 Bayern munich have lost four they've drawn four they've won 15, the exact opposite, the reverse results from the fixtures, 23 both have played, that we've had so far. The fact that they were competing is incredible, as you just explained there, on such a level, to lose by only one goal, as you explained, Robert Lewandowski, with that late winner. I did say before that we'd get back to uh, Bayern facing Chelsea midweek, so as it makes sense, the squad being rotated for Bayern, because this is enormous. Mm-hmm the most important game, certainly one of them, of the season so far. Could you just give us your thoughts ahead of this crucial Champions League tie? Yeah, it, I mean, it is the game that could define um, Bayern's season in many ways. I think that they are the favourites against Chelsea. You know, Chelsea's side is um, a fantastic team, um, without a doubt, but also a very young team, right? Um, and um, although I don't watch the Premier League that closely, I did notice that they beat Tottenham on the weekend. And then I also, you know, did see also that they have been fluctuating a little bit in results, which is to be expected when you put together a young team like they have. Um, I do think that Bayern have the upper hand, especially if all the first player, first team players are healthy, which um, it very much looks like is going to be the case. At the same point, at the same time, um, they went out against Liverpool at this stage last year, right? Which is unacceptable. Um, of the, in the last 10 years, Bayern only failed to reach the semi-final twice. That's an enormous record um, in the Champions League, and that is what they define themselves. They, by their own rights, see themselves as one of the top four clubs in Europe. And I, I think that when you look at the stature of the club and the amount of money that they generate, um, the fans that they have worldwide, they rightfully consider themselves in that kind of sphere. So anything but um, getting through that round, is going to be um, have going to have a big impact on the reminder of the season and a big impact on the future of of the coaching staff, the sporting director, uh, some of the players. Um, so it is it is a season defining game, but it's also maybe in some ways for them it's more than that. It's it's uh, it's a game that could define the future of a lot of people at the club and a lot of decision makers at the club. And I think. That is something that could weigh pretty heavily on your shoulders. Um, in the past, Bayern have done very well when they're under pressure, but it's going to be very interesting to see how they're going to handle this game. You're right, Manny. The 
Only the pressure is all on Bayern because Frank Lampard is not going to lose his job if Chelsea don't win the Champions League. He is not expected to do that with, as you say, such a young squad, certainly in parts. I think one or two people do forget uh, the, the older heads that Chelsea have. And you're right, they do still have a quality squad. It'll be a fascinating tussle. Looking forward to that one, as I did a number of Champions League games. They're going to be tight. Uh, the latest on Leroy Sane, then, the transfer saga that looks to have the financial fair play pointed squarely at the need to make money for Manchester City. Mm. Do you think they could be selling him to Bayern Munich? Yeah, um, I do think that there is a lot to the story. Um, I think that Man- Manchester City's negotiation position, though, is um, very weak at the moment because I, his contract is up in 2021. Um Bayern have, and I have, I have this from sources within the club. Um, Bayern have noticed that no one else is making any bids for Leroy Sané. So they are the only club that's currently interested. Um, Bayern are also, um, were somewhat upset by the fact that Leroy Sané only really committed to the team after they made an exorbitant, um, salary, um, offer. So, um, they weren't really quite happy that Sané didn't really say he was 100% committed to go to Bayern. Um, Oliver Kahn is coming in as the new uh, CEO. He's going to eventually replace Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, right? Ka- Oliver Kahn is a man who identifies 100% with Bayern Munich. He's a person that has um, is going to bring in, he's already sitting on the board of the club, um, a new code of conduct. And that new code of conduct, uh, conduct is also going to define the sort of players the club is going to bring in. And, uh, Leroy Sané is seen critical by some, some members of the board and some members of the decision makers. And it's not as a player that he is, but uh, of the decisions that he's made. They have also noticed that Joachim Löw did not take him to the World Cup in 2018, which was also for personal reasons, not for the player he is on the field, right? So, um, that of course means that that doesn't mean Bayern will not sign him, but it also means that if the city say, oh yeah, we want 130 million euros for him, they're going to say, hell no, we're not going to go for that. Um, so Man City's negotiation power is very, very weak at the moment. And I think that Bayern are basically saying, look, we don't need to sign this player. Um, we are not 100% convinced at the moment. We are not, um, not necessarily thinking that um, we need to go all out. You need to make money because of financial fair play. Um, you violated financial fair play. Players will want to leave, especially if you ban from the Champions League. And we know that no one else is making any offers. So I think that they are very much in a wait and see moment for this. Um, it's telling that they didn't go for him at, at, over Christmas, right? When Sunny really desperately wanted to join Bayern, they said, no, we, we don't have any need right now. And that's going to be, I think, a big factor in this. Um, are Bayern going to sign Leroy Sunny? I would say it's likely, but not at all costs. Yeah, I was surprised as well that he didn't go then. And sometimes for a player, it's nice to feel wanted and to be regularly pursued by the the club. Could obviously have an impact when it comes to making that decision. So when we look at the Bundesliga, we see that, and I'll give them their full name, Rajenvolsport Leipzig are just a point off Bayern Munich. But Borussia Dortmund, who've scored the same amount of goals as uh, Bayern on 45 points, Leipzig 48, Bayern Munich on 49. So Dortmund, for a lot of people, they've been certainly 
definitely the the neutrals team to watch. They're so exciting. They've got so much quality. And uh, this man who, for many, he was just the son of Alfie Inge Haaland, the guy who played for Manchester City, Leeds and Nottingham Forest. But uh, Erling Haaland, incredible. Goal-scoring extraordinaire. You and I both know this can't continue forever. But at the moment, the Haaland show does continue for Dortmund. And we have to talk about the fact that They've just had this incredible, incredible signing that is getting everyone around world football talking. Yeah. Um, I had the pleasure to see Erling Haaland play against Liverpool in uh, Salzburg's last Champions League game. And um, it, I was astonished by the way he manages to move this 195-centimeter frame um, seemingly effortlessly across the pitch. Um, it's, it's a remarkable sight. And for Dortmund to be able to get a player, um, who has already at the tender age of 19 broken pretty much every Champions League record there is, it seems, for 20 million euros. Um, that's the equivalent of a free signing, I would say, in this day of age. And then you, you sort of wonder, you know, you, you from the, go from the Austrian Bundesliga to the Bundesliga and it's, it's a big step up. And, um, you wonder if this kid can just, you know, you put him in and is he going to do the same thing? And the answer is a resounding yes. Um, the, the game that his performance against PSG midweek was incredible. Um, that second goal that he scored. I mean, that's just not fair. It's like a FIFA cheat code, um, how it's just, you know, if you haven't seen that goal yet, it's the way he gets the ball and th that shot. Yeah. I mean, you could hear that shot around the world. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's an incredible thing. And I don't think we quite, un it's kind of, you see it and you're like, okay, well, this is what Holland does. And you have to remember he's 19, um, which is remarkable. It's now 10 goals and seven Champions League games. We haven't seen anything like that ever. Um, and if he keeps this, this sort of level up, I don't know what he's, what he's going to be capable of because you basically know now that, um, every team that plays against Dortmund knows, well, they're going to score at least one because you know he's going to get at least one, right? <laughs> and that's a nightmare for, for any opposition. And they weren't playing anyone, um, on Tuesday. They were playing Paris Saint Germain and, at times it looked like, um, man against schoolboys. And I mean, Dortmund were the man and PSG were the schoolboys. They were just impressive all over the pitch. Yeah. It, it, just some of the sort of stats that you, you've led us to a few there, but Haaland now ranks among the top 10 goal scorers in the Bundesliga this season. As you say, sort of netting nine goals for Borussia Dortmund. He's registered 395 minutes just of Bundesliga action and yet to have already achieved that. Absolutely incredible. As you mentioned, Dortmund winning midweek against Paris Saint-Germain, Haaland, scoring twice in that game. So he's got those 10 goals in his first seven Champions League games, just on top of what he's achieving. It's just amazing because he is so young. And you ask, is there anything he can't do? Well, there was a video of him released during the week, quite young, um, singing in a rap music video. The answer is he can't rap, but he can do everything else. And that's clearly going to be for Borussia Dortmund and for as long as he's there absolutely the most exciting thing it's already great watching a game there but to add to it now 
this exciting talent, which makes watching a game at Dortmund a must-do on anyone's bucket list. So we need to talk about the game against uh, which uh, Borussia Dortmund away from home, a weekend of away from home victories, uh, Dortmund managing to win 2-0. So, Verder, they're in a lot of trouble, perhaps headed to Bundesliga 2. What do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, this game, it was a game of two halves. Um, the first half, you could really sense that Dortmund, as they often are, um, had a little bit of a Champions League hangover. Um, it is something that most teams experience, right, from midweek game and then playing in the Bundesliga on the weekend. It, it, it is difficult. Um, but Werder made it really easy for them to kind of recover because the first 45 minutes, I, I did the match report on this for Fußballstadt. And um, to be honest with you, nothing really happened in the first 45 minutes. Um, they kind of were just playing the ball to each other, you know, and and I think that really played into Dortmund's hands because they were really able to sort of find their legs, um, sort of really find their way into the game without being challenged very much. And then in the second half, they did what they always do. You know, this, they first Sagadu scored from a corner and that, that broke over the open. And then Holland, um, you know, there was that one goal that he always pretty much scores. And, um, there wasn't very much resistance by Werder Bremen. And it's almost, um, the, the thing that I've noticed and I've been, went to one of the games in December. Um, it's a beautiful city, by the way. It's a beautiful stadium. It's in a beautiful location. Um, I, I can only recommend anyone going. It's, it has a real good feel that place. And I liked, always liked Werder Bremen when I was a kid. They were the attractive side to watch. They were, they were basically what Dortmund are today. That used to be Werder Bremen. Um, but I think the club has sort of lost a little bit of orientation. They have this concept called the, um, the Werder Weg, the Werder Path, um, where they sort of bring in personnel from within the club. Include Florian Kofeld is the latest. And Florian um, is a very, very nice person. Um, I've interviewed him. I spoke to him. And he's a very nice guy. And I'm pretty sure he's also a very good coach in terms of how he manages um, the players. Because he has the resounding support of the board and and the players that play for him. The problem is, I think, that um, it's very easy to dissect the way he plays. Um Dortmund took about 45 minutes to figure out how Werder played and then, you know, took him apart. You sense the same thing the week before. Um, every time you see, I was there when Mainz took, put five past them, um, which, you know, we're talking Mainz and it was basically, you, you know how Werder are going to play and Florian Kofeld has a, has a plan A and the plan A is the only thing that he has. And unfortunately his teams, his team is not very well structured and, um, unfortunately also for him, I think that a club, you can't guide a club just on being a nice person and a good man management manager. You also need to have a concept and that's very much lacking, but it's not just lacking with him. Um, when I went as, when I was in Leipzig, um, the week before and Leipzig beat them 3-0. Um, that game was basically over after 55 minutes. The only reason Leipzig didn't score more goals is because they had a Champions League game midweek. So decided to basically pass the ball around after they scored the third. And Werder let them because they didn't offer any resistance. And I spoke to um Oliver Baumann, the the sporting director after the game, and he said he basically said, like, oh, we have to keep hoping, we have to hope from game to game. Um there was no concept there. 
And I think that the Werder pathway, the problem is these are all people. Baumann used to be a former player. The, his CEO is Marco Bode, who was also a former Werder Bremen player. And this has been going on for a good 20 years now. And, um, if you do this, it's, it's kind of like royal families passing around their, their family members all the time. Sooner or later, you, the, the, these families become degenerate because it's almost like, you know, there's no refreshment. There's no new genes and new ideas coming in. And that's what Werder Bremen has become like. This club needs renewal. It needs to have people coming in from the outside and, um, come up with some new ideas. And they haven't been doing this. Um, you know, any other club gets specialists from the outside and, tries to fix a club and they don't. And right now, and I mean, one of the headlines in the newspaper this week was, are Werder Bremen are planning for Bundesliga 2? I mean, it's match day 23 and they're planning for Bundesliga 2. That's ridiculous. Um, so it's really sad seeing, but I think it's, it's a homemade problem in many ways. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm a great deal older than you, Manu. I think the kids call it mad old. But I do remember Verde winning the title. Is it 2004? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was many years after that, I seem to recall, they were always in or around the conversation as who was going to win the league. And you, you have to go quite a long way back, probably something like 11 years, to it even being a case of them looking like they could challenge. And I think that what you're saying is is true. It could even be, and I don't always like to say this, but sometimes taking a step back to take two steps forward is often the way that it will work out for clubs. You see it. There's examples in the Premier League at the moment of teams that have gone down from the top flight, regrouped, got a new manager, changed the direction at the top and come back stronger. For Verda fans, obviously, I would like to see that four points from safety at the moment, but uh, Mainz with a game in hand. So, could be really tough. What about the team that they lost to at home 2-0, Borussia Dortmund? If we go into a bit more detail about them and the kind of season that they've been having, there's just so many exciting players. I won't talk about Haaland again, but Jaden Sancho this season in the Bundesliga, 21 games, 13 goals, 14 assists. Uh, Atram Hakimi, uh, has now provided 10 assists in the Bundesliga this season, you know, five more than any other defender. So you've got Hakimi, Haaland, Sancho, 34 goals, 29 assists by that trio alone, and an average age of just 19.6 years old. The future is bright. 
Yeah, um, it should be. We, of course, don't know if Hakimi and Sancho are still going to be there next year, right? <laughs> that's that's a big question mark. But uh, yeah, strongly linked with Chelsea. You're absolutely right to mention that. Yeah, and I mean, Sancho is probably linked to half the Premier League, especially when you think that um, English players could become very important with, with Brexit, right? Um, and the, the possibilities of... Uh, limitation to foreign players playing in the in the Premier League and all that. Um, having a British passport could be a very big one for um, Jaden Sancho in terms of Premier League. Could be a big one for Dortmund because they, of course, know that <laughs> they, they could ask pretty much for anything. Um, they probably get it. But um, I mean, it would be nice. This, this is this is this is the big big problem with with world football and the way it has become that you see young, exciting teams like that and. Um, even a club like Dortmund that has, is a sizable club. It's a top 20 club. They're not, they can't, they can't defend themselves from the market mechanisms, um, and just keep hold of these players. And that's very unfortunate. But right now, I think, um, the, the one that's not really on Dortmund's mind at the moment. I think what's more frustrating for them at the moment is that they have this really exciting young team and um, they have some really experienced good players too. I mean, Emre Can, for example, has been fantastic ever since he joined. I think he's probably even more important signing than Erling Haaland. But I think um, the fact that they have needlessly dropped points against Bayer Leverkusen, for example, right, a couple of weeks ago, um, they could be a lot closer or maybe even on top. If they had played the sort of league that they played last year, they'd probably be often gone already and pretty close to a title. And I think that's very frustrating for them because obviously with the team that they have, the form that they're in right now, they, sh- they, they should be a title contender. And I think they still are, but I think the gap to Bayern should be closer or maybe they should be actually ahead of Bayern. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see if they're actually going to get a consistent run because we see them beat PSG. We then see them beat Bremen. You know, we see them getting getting good results. Um, last week, they had a fantastic game as well. But then every once in a while, they get that wobble. And um, that is something that they can't really afford for the rest of the season if they want to win the title. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, those title credentials, yes, it would be, I think, exciting for European football fans to see Borussia Dortmund, who seem to be, as I said earlier, that kind of neutral's choice, maybe the hipster's choice as well. Mm. And uh, and Bayern, of course, expected to win the league. But maybe because Bayern have to put a lot of their eggs in that Champions League basket, maybe this does give Borussia Dortmund more of a chance because, yes, they'd love to win the Champions League, but there isn't exactly the same expectation on them having to win it. So maybe this will give them a chance to push for the Bundesliga, do you think there's any chance that we could say right here, right now, with 11 match days, I believe, to go, that Borussia Dortmund is going to be their year? I mean, they're not the only team that's interested in this, right? Um, we're going to talk about Leipzig next, and I think their their title credentials are very strong as well. Um, you are right. The Champions League is not quite as important for Dortmund as it is for Bayern. Um, you can say the same again too about Leipzig. The Champions League is not quite as important as it is for Bayern. If they go through the next round and go out in the quarterfinals, well, that's good enough, right? Um, and I think there is something to that, that Bayern, if they go through against Chelsea, will probably put all the eggs in that basket because there is a chance that Liverpool, for example, could go out, right? And I think uh, Liverpool is probably the only team that could be very dangerous for this Bayern side. 
And if the Liverpool go out, they might say, okay, well, let's go for that title. Let's go win the Champions League, especially because Karl-Heinz Rummenigge has this dream that he wants to win the Champions League before he steps down as CEO. So they could just go for that. And that would open the door for the likes of Dortmund and Leipzig to really push for the Bundesliga title. I think there is definitely something to that. And just before we move on to Leipzig, if any Dortmund fans are listening and they start to think about, ah, you know, losing the likes of Sancho would be terribly concerning. Dortmund have one of the best scouting departments in the world, and they seem to find players for value historically over and over again. Lewandowski, Gundogan, Aubameyang, Marco Reus, Pulisic, Dembele, I mentioned Sancho, Haaland now. The list goes on and on and on, and they'll be absolutely fine. Whether it's their season or not remains to be seen, but as you quite rightly said, RB Leipzig, they're in the mix, they're certainly interested, and they put on a display against Schalke Nurfir, which uh, suggested they are more than interested. They could be the real deal. A 5-0 away thrashing just 55 seconds into the game when uh, Sabitza said, yeah, I'll have some of that. So this game deserves quite a bit of our time because Leipzig really impressed against uh, Schalke. What did you make of this game, Manu? Um, I was very impressed by Leipzig. Uh, I think that if of all the title, the teams that are competing for the title, that they had the most impressive display of the bunch. Because they had a very, very difficult away game against Tottenham. You have to remember they, they won in London, 1-0 against Tottenham. And do, do, yes, Bayern won their 7-2, but that was under a different coach, under different circumstances, right? And I think that Leipzig could have beaten Tottenham by a lot more. And then to go from that, travel from London to Gelsenkirchen, play away in Schalke, which is not an easy place to play, and to essentially walk away with a 5-0 and they made this look so effortlessly Um that is the thing that impressed me the most is that how easy they made this look Um that is quite a statement I think by the club to to say look we're in this for real Um we are going to push this to the very end and we have the squad depth to challenge for anything Um you know it was pointed out to me on Twitter that they didn't make that many changes because I said like Leipzig have the biggest depth. But what I meant by that is unlike Bayern or even Dortmund, when they bring on players off the bench, you don't notice the difference in, in terms of performance level on the field. And that is, uh, I think, quite an important thing to have when you are challenging for the title that you can bring in players in and out, right? That you can rotate the side without you actually noticing when you watch the team. And I think when when you look at the three teams, they are best suited for that. Um, even if they stay in the Champions League for a deep run, I think they'll still be okay. So um, that is really what impressed me the most about the Schalke game is how easily they brushed Schalke aside. And in the second half, brought on players... You know, Emil Forsberg came off the bench. He's a bench player now there. Same with Yusuf Paulsen. He's a bench player at, at Leipzig at the moment. Those are, those are players that in any other team in the Bundesliga would be starting. And, um, they're getting rotated in and out of the squad. That is, um, just a remarkable thing. And I think it really shows, um, how good of a squad they have in, in terms of depth. 
Yeah, it's similar to Dortmund when we were talking about uh, the scouting network and just how well they do. Just the five goals there. We had uh, Sabitzer, who I mentioned, giving them the lead. Timo Werner with the assist. Timo Werner getting a goal himself. And uh, Christopher Nkunku with the assist there. We also had uh, Halstenberg scoring. Nkunku assisting that one as well. Angelino. And Kunku's assisting that one as well. The same story again, assisting, as you mentioned, mm. uh, substitute Forsberg, which just is worth mentioning that uh, Nkunku is uh, Bayern, uh, the uh, Leipzig player, the first one in the Bundesliga since the detailed Opta data collection actually started in 2004 to assist four goals in one half, this being the second half, of course, as you say, that just really was quite a display, no matter who they brought on. And, and Timo Werner with, you know, these... Uh, 11 games to go has equaled his personal best already for a single season, which mm. explains why so many Premier League teams are sniffing around him. So what makes this Red Bull machine such a success? I think what makes, well, you, you mentioned it, it's the, the, the fact that they can just find players um, and their scouting network is, is very deep. Um, it probably helps that you have essentially not just one club, but four, right? Because they, they own, um, they don't own it, but they have it in the network. They have Red Bull Salzburg in the network. They have the, the team in New York. Um, they um, have a team in Brazil and they with Ralf Rangnick have a sporting director who has his tentacles everywhere in world football and just has this enormous ability to find players that can fit. And then in Julian Nagelsmann, they have a head coach that has a clear idea of how to play football. And although he's still very young and still makes some mistakes, you know, even him making mistakes, even if he does make mistakes, there's still only a point of Bayern. And that's, that's how good of a club they are. And it also kind of scary to think where they could be going. But I think what makes them really that strong is just the ability of putting players in and out um, of the squad and everyone just seemingly fitting into um, the squad rotation. I mean, Angelino, who they signed for Manchester City on loan. They have, a, they have an option to buy for 20 million euros. And it looks like they want to trigger that. Um, they identified this player who didn't fit into Pep Guardiola's system. And they said, okay, this guy, who by, and by the way, played MLS just a few years ago, he'll be a perfect fit for what we want to do. Nagelsmann takes him, pops him into the lineup and boom, you know, it's, it's like, it's like seamless. Um, and you've seen that with players before that they, Picked out of nowhere. Tyler Adams is a great example. The young American who they, who they basically brought him from New York and they're like, this is a player who can exactly fit our system. They pop him in and boom, it works. It's, yeah, it's, I think that is really what makes this Leipzig machine so efficient is it's not really about these big standout players. It's just that every player that they have fits perfectly the system that they want to play. And it's like they have three players almost for every position that they have on the field, which, of course, again, allows you to just say, okay, well, this guy is not performing right now. We'll put in this other guy. This guy is injured. No problem. We put in the other guy. Um, and I think that is, that turns, that makes this team not a team of superstars, but it makes it a team that is like a machine and very, very efficient. Yeah. Those other teams that uh, Red Bull have in their, uh, their roster. They tend to be selling clubs. Yeah. What is the ceiling then of this RB Leipzig side? Because if they keep even just the core of this squad together, it really looks like they could go on and actually start making some real noise in world football. I mean, uh, it, you look just look at the owner, Dieter Mateschitz. 
Um, Red Bull is, of course, a construct that's been seen critical by many. Um, fair enough. If, if you see it critical, I, I have no problem with that. If you like it, I have no problem with that either. I think it's, it's a fascinating project. And I think Dieter Mateschitz is not, is someone who doesn't fool around. Um, you see it with his Formula One project. You see it with his, with his hockey teams. He wants to reach, he wants to win in every level. And I think he, he said it in the past. He wants to win the Champions League. And I think that is the ceiling for this Leipzig side. Um, the problem for them, of course, they don't want to violate financial fair play. Um, unlike other constructs in world football, they actually play by the financial fair play rules. Um, which is something, of course, that's a lot of Red Bull critics easily forget. And I think that has sort of meant that their growth wasn't as explosive as, for example, Manchester City or Paris Saint-Germain, right? It's always done step by step because every time they can't just say, Red Bull can't just say, okay, here's a billion euros, go spend it. They can't do it because financial fair play prohibits it. So they, what they're doing, they have to bring in local partners. There's a lot of local companies in Leipzig that, that sponsor this club as well. They also have to generate money, which means they have to sell players. Navy cater to Liverpool, for example, right? Because every time they sell players, they generate income and that income allows them to grow within the concepts of financial fair play. But at the same time, I think there is no ceiling for this club because they're in a big city. Leipzig is the wealthiest city of the former GDR. Um, it's a city that has a lot of local companies. Red Bull is a strong supporting company. Um, supporting this club. And I think they have a network that identifies the right players that allows them to grow naturally on the squad, on the field, right? And so I think when you talk about ceiling, I think they could win the title as early this year. I have no doubt that the Bundesliga title will end up in Leipzig within the next three or four years. And I think in the next five to 10 years, they will be competing for the Champions League because that is where they want to be. Manu, we've discussed how they have multiple scorers and those off the bench as well. Do you think there's any chance that fans of football in Germany will ever start to like RB Leipzig? I think there's more people that like Leipzig than you think. <laughs> I do think that there is a quite loud vocal minority when it comes to the hate that Leipzig receives. Um, it's a really interesting concept when, you know, I often get shoved in with the North America media because I'm based in North America and I spend a lot of time over in North America. Um, and I spend a lot of time with British media as well. And a lot of people ask me, why do people hate RB Leipzig? And um, because abroad, no one gets it. So will people ever like Leipzig? I think it's, it's going to be a relationship where uh, people either going to love it or absolutely hate it. And there's always going to be hate from other clubs about the construct and them winning titles is not going to make it easier. But I mean, um, successful clubs around the world usually have, have, have to live with that anyways. You look at Bayern, um, mm. Bayern's one of the Bayern fan slogan of Bayern is your, your hate is our, you know, we appreciate your hate, right? Um, your hate is our pride. Sorry, that's the exact statement of, of what, what Bayern fans have because they know that everyone in Germany hates Bayern, right? And it's going to be just the same for Leipzig. Um, and I think that Leipzig fans are going to be just okay with that. Yeah, I suppose it's one thing people do dislike successful teams. That's always been the case. There's one thing disliking success. It's another thing disliking the entire construct because yeah. you think of 
represents football, this team looks to be anti. They almost look to be everything uh, against what proper football should be. And I suppose that's harder to change people's mindsets. And it might be the case that you won't get people wearing RB Leipzig shirts as their second team in places like Munich. That probably won't ever change. Yeah, but I uh, think it will Timo change Ver abroad. I think abroad, a lot yeah. of people don't have that problem. I agree with that. I wouldn't wear an RB Leipzig shirt because I support Hanover 96. But if someone bought me one, you know, I'd maybe keep it in the wardrobe and wear it in England. And that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Timo Werner then, transfer discussion. Mm. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? I mean, Timo Werner has been pretty outspoken about wanting to join Liverpool. It was almost a come get me plea, wasn't it? Um, that he said to Sky, he said, uh, Jurgen Klopp is the best coach in the world and everyone wants to play for him. Um, then on midweek, he also said that, um, you know, he thinks that he, he'd be, uh, he'd be honored to play for what he considers the best club in the world. Um, it's no secret that there has been discussions between Liverpool and his agent. But before Liverpool fans listening to this podcast get too excited, that doesn't mean that he's going to sign there. Um, I think it is a good chance, um, a very good chance at this point, because uh, clubs don't ask agents about availability unless they are interested, right? Um, but deals are not done until they're done, right? We I've, I've learned this the hard way. Um, but I think that... There's very much a discussion going on behind uh, closed doors about Timo Werner's future. We do know he has an exit clause. That exit clause is 60 million euros. Um, it is <laughs> it is a little less for certain clubs than it is for others. Um, it includes like bonuses, etc. But I think Liverpool are not the only club. Um, I think there's going to be uh, possibly some changes at Bayern that could open the door again for Bayern to maybe get um, in on this Timo Werner deal again. It will be a little bit more difficult for them because obviously they already had a deal lined up last year and then shut the door on it, which made Timo Werner very upset and uh, made Bayern's chances to sign him very difficult. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, I also think that um, depending on how Leipzig seasons go, um, they might have a good chance of holding on to him because if they win the title this year and go deep in the Champions League, and he, Timo Werner obviously loves working with Julian Nagelsmann, then um, that is also something that you have to consider, right? But um, I think if if you're a Liverpool fan, you can be slightly excited about the way the discussions are going, to maybe sum it up. And to sum up, we've said that Leipzig, incredible win, 5-0 away against Schalke. Dortmund, incredible win, 2-0 away at Werder Bremen, the Friday game we'd already discussed, Bayern Munich, three, two winners against Paderborn. But there's another team which have a very interesting project going on, and they said goodbye to Jurgen Klinsmann, which I would imagine in North America certainly created quite a lot of headlines that people have heard of him there, so that would have been a, of interest. But what went on, Hertha against Cologne? Yeah, I mean, I put this on the list, Hal, because I think it's just um, a big city club, Hertha, making so many headlines. Jürgen Klinsmann stepping down on Facebook. Um, I, I was in the office in Hamburg, and I just walked in, and I was ready for my morning coffee. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a relaxing, just a relaxing day, um, discussing various projects when... <laughs> when we got the news that Klinsmann had just resigned on Facebook, Hertha didn't even know about it at that, right? And then he uh, made this very weird Facebook statement the next day 
um, was subsequently not not only did he step down, but then was fired from the board where he was still had a position. Um, you would think that would be enough for headlines for Hertha, right? Um, but then Lars Windhorst last week announced that this is the investor that's pumping in millions and millions and millions of euros. I mean, at this point, we had 250 million euros into this club and has said he wants to invest even more. Um, there's talk about a new stadium that's supposed to be built next to the um existing Olympia Stadium, which they consider to be too big and because of the running track not suitable. So they wanted to build a compact stadium with fifty five thousand seats. And then Windhorst said, Oh, by the time we build the stadium, it might be too small for Hertha and we might have to build a stadium for ninety thousand seats. I think that's a statement that pretty much sums up Berlin and uh this investor and everything that's going on at the club um at the moment. This is a club that's fighting relegation. It's a club that's coached by Alex Alexander Nuri. Um, was previously at Werder Bremen and, um, didn't do very well there either. And they got smashed 5-0 by Köln. And, um, you know, this is the reality for this club right now. They're fighting relegation. The reality for the club is that Jürgen Klinsmann has basically smashed, um, this project to the ground by basically stepping down on Facebook. Um, they're coached by a, by a second rate coach and they have an investor that yes, and is investing a lot of money, but also, wants to build a stadium for, with 90,000 seats. So it's, it's, um, big city club Hertha is definitely producing a lot of headlines at the moment, Hal. Yeah, you know, I was in uh, Berlin at the end of last year and I'm just so amazed that I always, when I go somewhere for the first time, I study as much as mm. I can about the football club in that city. And I would have guessed before anyone had told me that uh, Hertha would have been German domestic champions many, many times in their long, illustrious history. And then I read that it was twice. Yeah. Just incredible. And the stadium, I went and visited the stadium. You're, you're correct in saying that I think a smaller one would definitely uh, suit them. I don't think they're anywhere near needing 90,000 people just yet. But uh, it's, it's a shame, really, because I quite I always get quite excited when I hear about a new project and you expect to see a new team challenging, just shaking things up with the established bourgeoisie. And at the moment, we're having to make do with RB Leipzig doing that, who we've already heard some people hate. Uh, in the other games, Borussia Mönchengladbach on Saturday, one Hoffenheim, one. I'll just run through the Saturday uh, results. Uh, Freiburg nil, Fortuna Dusseldorf two. A bit of interest, certainly for fans in England, because Uwe Rosler uh, finally got his first Bundesliga win as Fortuna Dusseldorf head coach. He, of course, uh, very popular with Manchester City and Brentford fans. And uh, we've discussed all the other games, Manu. So uh, any any final thoughts? No, I think we've pretty much covered all the main topics. Obviously, the Sunday games, we, we, we recorded this early due to um, the scheduling. Um, but I think the Sunday games are going to be very interesting. Then we have, of course, the dreaded Monday game that people hate in Germany. It's going to be interesting to see Frankfurt against Union and uh, how they're going to protest this latest installment of Monday games. Um, that's, of course, going away. So yeah, that's my, my final thoughts are just that. Um, enjoy the, the rest of the games and um, we we'll, should be back on our regular schedule next week. Yeah, I would just like to say that uh, Union Berlin, they're at the moment my kind of story of the season. And I think a lot of people expected them to go straight back down. They may still, of course, but at the moment... I'm really pleased with them being on the same amount of points as Hertha. You know, I didn't think that would be the case uh, this far gone into the season. 
Manu, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for allowing me to uh, once again join you here on uh, Gagan Pressing. It's been so much fun. You've enlightened me and I hope many more. I hope I can do it again sometime soon. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Hal, and uh, hosting this podcast. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab's geholt. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.